Target is the target of an LGBTQ targeted lawsuit. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with Mr. John T. Nash. Coming to you live by, by we're not bi coastal, we're same coastal. How would you say that? You know, we have a couple of listeners who are grammarians or grammar police, and boy, did we just cross some lines there. We're, we're on the same, we're in the same, same time coastal. zone. Coming we're, to you from the same time zone. Coming to you from the same time zone, east yeah. and uh, the eastern time zone. So we are the focus group, and uh, you can learn all about us at focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, you'll also find our sponsors which are on the right-hand margin, including Deep Discount. Be sure to click on them and shop away. By going through our site, we get credit for it, so we appreciate that. And uh, you can also learn about uh, all our shows and find all of our media house there, including our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. We are now in our 15th year. Somebody asked me how long we were doing this the other day. I couldn't believe and we you were doing I it always for 15 grew up the math. years. <laughs> well, it's 15, we're pretty sure, 2008, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, and if we go back to XM days. And uh, so, yes, you'll find all of our media housed there for uh, free download. And uh, thanks for following along with us today. So, Mr. Nash, how, how, was your, how has your week been thus far, your weekend or whatever you want to? Last week was good. The weekend, uh, weekend was quiet uh, and good. I have to say, uh, we have uh, friends of ours who took a vacation home up in upstate near our place. And uh, the wife, <laughs> she was... Not so thrilled with the weather they were having. And I have to say that, you know, we haven't really um, had like these long stretches of dry, sunshiny days. Right. It's usually been, you know, a day or two and then the, then the clouds come in the whole bit. Um, but a couple of little things for you. Um, so I remember I told you that I got a package in the mail from one of our listeners, Billy, who sent me a DVD called Jumpers, which right. featured... Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars. And, and I got a note from Billy. He's like, the movie's yours to keep. And yes, you got to watch it because it has Hayden Christensen. And then Billy mentioned to me that they're doing the Ghent fly-in again. I, I don't know if you remember this from like two years ago. Right? Didn't you and Bob go down? Yes. I met Billy at this local grass airstrip, which is a really beautiful area. And all these gorgeous little planes came in. So we're going to try to meet Billy again there. I think it's early September and there's a rain date as well. It's like some kind of pancake breakfast. We didn't do the food things. We just watched everybody come in on these incredible private planes. These little, you know, these little planes. Little pancake breakfast. I would like, I love pancakes. (laughs) I was thinking about those over the weekend. Bob found pancakes um, in the freezer section at the grocery store. Right. And... The brand is like the Waffle Kings, or I forget the name of it. It's these two, it's just like a little cartoon thing on the front. You put two in a paper towel for 45 minutes in the microwave. They 45 seconds. Like they, yeah, 45 seconds, sorry. <laughs> 45 minutes, it'd be a puck. They, it would be a pile of ash. Um, it tastes like they just came off a griddle. They're You're delicious. kidding me. They, they're fantastic, yeah. I, I brought some up to my mom when I stayed with her when her husband was skiing. And I said, do you want some pancakes? Oh, don't go to the trouble, honey. It's such a mess. Well, that's the And problem. she's sitting there, and I go, beep, 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 you know, the microwave. And, she's, and then she loved those. Now she has to have them, too. 
Yeah, you'll have to tell me what was the name of them. Do you remember the name of them again? Yeah, I, I took a picture of it. I'll 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 you'll get it on my phone. It's let me the, know and we'll post it to Faith because people will ask about it. And uh, okay, because you're right. The problem with pancakes is nobody wants to go mix the batter. Or, no. I don't have a, I don't have enough milk, or I don't have milk, or I don't the eggs and mix mix mix. Now somebody did tell me that the the secret to fluffy or thicker pancakes. And I've I've been guilty of this. Is you're not supposed to beat the the batter is supposed to be lumpy. They said don't make really? it thin. If you make it thin, the pancakes get very very tiny and slivery and and uh, don't come out like big fluffy pancakes. So that's okay. a bit. So yeah, you're not okay. supposed to make it very thin. You're supposed to leave it kind of a little lumpy. And when you were a kid, did your parents prep the grill? Like there was always the first waffle or pancake that was a mess that came off because mm-hmm. it was prepping the grill, and we all would wait like greedily we wanted the first we wanted the grill prepper <laughs> my mom last time i was in connecticut she made pancakes and uh god bless her but you know did whip 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 i don't know if she used bisquick or whatever she used yeah. but but uh i love pancakes i like pancakes and sausage mm. but or pancakes and bacon there was a wawa down here the convenience store was selling eggs they would do two pancakes with an egg in the middle with you know some cheese or bacon or something and they were using the pancakes as the roll which was uh, short-lived. Do you, do you think the reason you like the sausage with the pancakes is because sausage and uh, maple syrup actually are interesting? And, you know, because it gets mixed up with the pancakes. Spice and stuff. sweet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was not a big... My brother would use enough syrup to do the pancakes to do the, back, mm-hmm. you know, do, do the backstroke. I was very limited. I'm the same way with frosting. I can't eat a cake full of frosting or a cupcake. I, I wipe it all off. I don't like a lot of frosting, and I don't like a lot of a lot of heavy, heavy syrupy stuff. But I want a little bit, but I don't like a lot. Yeah, you remember we used to have pan- we used to do cupcakes in the studio now, and then we were at Sirius, oh, yeah. and you used to have. There were some cupcakes that were good, but others it was basically like a wedge of yeah. buttercream on the top of a flaky dry cake, and you're like, N- neither side of this is good. The too much yeah. frosting, cake is dry. No, it's hard to find a good cupcake. I think I agree, and it's hard to find a good donut anymore. I've been trying to. Really? There's a place. There's a place in Jersey, McMullen's in Collingswood, New Jersey, which I think makes the best donuts in the world. And um, but down here at the beach, well, it's hard to find anything here at the beach. <laughs> pizza's not very good, if you ask me. Pizza's horrible. The uh, it's hard to Another find. Another winter in a summer town so, coming spending up. Spending the too. winter in a summer town, you know, tourists are forgiving, right? When you come to a resort area, you're forgiving and realize you're going to overpay. But when you left to live here, you don't want to overpay, and you're not so forgiving. So. Now, you do have some incredible, like, okay, so we went, was it Mike's Fish? Where did we go down? Matt's Fish Camp. Matt's Fish Camp. Yeah. In fact, Joe Biden and Jill just ate there recently. The president did. That place is fantastic. Yes. The food was great. And you knew that. You guys go there a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's, there's some places we go to quite often, but it's like anything, again, in a resort town. I, I think New York prices are cheaper. You know, I should not have to pay $18 for a Caesar salad. Or I should not have to pay $22 for a hamburger or $28 for pasta. The Chinese food down here, $30 for, for General Tso's chicken at, uh, $30. at the one local restaurant. Now, it is delicious, and it is almost like gourmet, but it's $30. And so I did takeout for, for four of us, takeout in the Chinese restaurant. And we did not have a lot of leftovers. It was close to $200, which I think is a lot of money. Here, I'm bitching. Now, look, we, we do a lot of our own cooking, and we, we, it's just what we do. And it's always a shock when we go out and, and yeah. the bill gets put in front of you like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I had this, 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 and the, yeah, you know. 
Well, drinks now are fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. yep. you know, dollars or more. Glass of wine, twenty dollars. Outrageous, I think. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm grumpy that way. Do you want to blame the president for that? No. <laughs> well, everybody else does. <laughs> no. I mean, I went to last time I was in Philly. I think I'd gone out with Matt, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's like a bar." I thought I was in, you know, Des Moines. Prices in Philly seem so cheap compared to here. <laughs> so. Tim, is is Rittenhouse Square still like the jewel of the city? Yes. Yeah. In Philadelphia, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the brownstones around there. And mm-hmm. there were some incredible restaurants around the square itself. One was yes. part of a hotel. I think we went to once. But I just saw a CBS This Morning show about a restaurant that was taken over by some dynamic chefs. I think it was called Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, Sunday. It was Friday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the chefs that took over said that they had a really loyal and big clientele who were really upset like when the new chefs took over because they couldn't come in and get the same clam chowder right. they've been ordering for 40 years. But slowly but surely, they became a new big powerhouse. Now people love the, the restaurant, but it's been there for a long time. Oh, gosh. It was one of the restaurants back in the probably late 70s that started the the restaurant renaissance in Philly. And I used to love it. And the, the big thing about them was all their wines, no matter what they were, only had a markup of $10. Only 10 no matter $10 what. $10 markup, no matter okay. what it was, which was great because you didn't feel like you were getting ripped off when you're buying a shitty bottle of wine for $50 that you know cost eight bucks. So um, that was their big thing. And then they did go, they went to Funk for a couple of years and then someone did come in and take it over, revamp the whole inside, change the menus but still kept the name. And it's in a great location right off the square. It's a, it's a great restaurant. I was there with Cedargren and Mary Alicia, actually. It was the last time I ate there. Wow. Pre-pandemic, and we had a great meal. So. And I wonder if the, was it called Fez, or what was the, uh, the Mexican place we used to always go to in the neighborhood? Oh, Elvez. Elvez, that's it. Is that still yeah. there? That's still there. Still there, oh. still going, still, still doing well. It's a Stephen Starr restaurant. Philadelphia has Stephen Starr, who is kind of this restaurant uh, king. And uh, he has a lot of great restaurants in town. But Elvez, yes, still there, still doing well. Elvez is... Consistently good food. (laughs) And very good margaritas, might I say. (laughs) You and I have walked out of there like, okay, that was one too many. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think all cities are are going through a little bit of a... A shift. A reboot with the pandemic Mm -hmm. and so much empty... As, as, as you know, in New York, so much of these office buildings are empty and they're trying to figure out how, I don't want to say empty, but they certainly don't have the floors. They don't need the floor space that they once did for yeah. a huge financial institution or, or agencies and so forth. And they're trying to figure out how do you repurpose some of these big old buildings that can't necessarily be divided up, no. but how do you repurpose them? You can't make them all apartments. Well, that's a whole, you and I could have a whole conversation about that because I've, I've read so many interesting articles with engineers and architects talking about how you just don't convert an office building. Right. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not set up for that because of all the services are in the core of the building, whereas you have to have separate plumbing for every right. single unit. There is a building down in the Wall Street area here in New York that they converted. They were specific in saying it was a rental building. It would never be like you would buy there because they assume people are going to be there for a short amount of time. And, and they, they, they said the complexities of adding all this stuff, like the individual bathrooms, just was enormously expensive. Jeez. Remember the office on, Ni- on Lafayette Street? Yeah. yeah. We, we would use. I still have a realtor keep contacting me, say they want to buy the building. I keep telling them $30 million. 
He, he contacts me every week. Are you interested in selling 419 Lafayette? I guess 30 million. <laughs> but but we never own the building. I know, I know. That's why I and I've told him that, but now he still keeps asking, so I I, I threw a price on it. <laughs> I don't know. That was bit. Sunshine Suites. Yeah, that was he like hasn't bit yet. A co-working space. I and I don't know why I'm getting the email. Are, are you interested in selling? We've got a buyer interested in buying 419 Lafayette. Yeah, that, that that co-working space was crazy. I remember one time Bob was uh, doing some freelance for us and we were there and there was this guy talking at the top of his lungs. You know, go to meeting.com, go to meeting.com. Here's the password. Well, apparently everybody on the floor heard the password and then <laughs> you there. hear him then you hear him say really loudly, "I don't know who those people are. Just we're going to do the meeting. I don't know who those people are." So everybody signed into his go to meeting.com meeting. <laughs> That's fine. Ah, the joys of shared workspace, right? <laughs> here's my credit card number. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, here's it. Oh, three, 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 four. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, well, Mr. Nash, without further ado, what, uh, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Okay, remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you one of my favorite movies as a kid and the very first James Bond movie I saw in the movie theater was the spy who loved me. So I found this article. Um, it popped up literally it's a new article, but the events that this article talks about have taken place already. It started in 1989 and finished in 2013. Uh, but a man basically bought a shipping container. It's almost like, you know, when they have storage wars, you buy the, the storage right. shed and whatever's inside's inside, you get it. He bought a shipping container for 100 bucks. He sold the contents of it to Elon Musk at an auction back in 2013, it looks like, for about a million dollars. Well, what he found Ooh. inside this container was one of eight, I think it was eight vehicles that were used in the filming of the uh, movie The Spy Who Loved Me. Wow. And basically, it was a Lotus Esprit, uh, Lotus Esprit, uh, Esprits, or Esprit, Lotus Esprit, Esprit. Yeah. Um, and the car was one of, I said, one of seven, one of eight that was transformed. In this movie, Bond drives this car. This is what he gets from, you know, British Secret Service. The car turns into a submarine when it goes in water, like the tires flip up and they go in and these little fins come out. So when he bought this thing, this, this uh, guy, um, this contractor in London bought the, the thing in 89 they found this lump in the middle of the thing and covered in blankets. They flip it over and they, there's this white, a wheelless sports car. So this guy says, hey, I think you've got one of the James Bond cars, his friend. Wow. They contacted a guy named Doug Redenius, who's the co-founder of the Ian Fleming Foundation. He authenticated the car and said, yeah, yes, you have one of the Lotus cars that was transformed into Bond's submarine missile shooting car in The Spy Who Loved Me. In fact, the car has a nickname. This car's nickname is Wet Nelly because this particular one was the one that could, in fact, go underwater. It wasn't, you know, I think they did stuff where they pulled it along and, you know, it wasn't really a submarine, but it could be underwater. Eventually, the, the man who bought the shipping container put it up for sale at auction. And, um, you know, the, 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 the car itself was probably about 100000 to build in the 70s to adapt it and change it. In September of 2013, um, the car sold for about a million bucks on the auction block in London, and only now has the buyer been made public, and the buyer was Elon Musk. Wow. 
He bought the car for $997,000. Um, <laughs> he said, while he initially purchased the Lotus Esprit anonymously, Musk later put out a statement saying, it was amazing as a little kid in South Africa to watch James Bond and the Spy Who Loved Me drive his Lotus Esprit off a pier, press a button, and have it transform into a submarine underwater. And then he says, I was disappointed to learn that it can't actually transform. What I'm going to do is, <laughs> what I'm going to do is upgrade it with a Tesla electric powertrain and try to make it transform for real. So it's in his possession. I don't know if he's done anything with it since he bought it. But I just think this is one of those weird things. This is like finding a Declaration of Independence, right? Like you buy a, a shipping container for 100 bucks, and in it is a prop car from a very famous James Bond movie. And boom, you sell it later, you make a million bucks. You know, Talk about a return on investment. Yeah, right? well, every once in a while, I'll stumble on one of those storage wars things or something yes. where the people buy mm -hmm. the storage containers. And it's a crapshoot, right? You never know. So for 100 bucks, somebody had a shipping container and thought, well, I often wondered why these companies never looked inside for us, but I guess that's the the fun of it or the thrill oh. of it is you have no idea what's in there, and they have no idea, so <laughs> no. they just want to they just want to get rid of it and move it. But what a find, huh? That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, I, and 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 that Musk got it. You know, he he could afford it. Right. If there's anybody in the world who could transform it in because of his money, uh, then right. he could transform it into a working little submarine. It's probably him, but I doubt it's worth the effort. It's still cool as a piece of movie memorabilia, though. Jeez. My um, mine deals with cars too of a different sort, but these are the self-driving cars. Are these mm. cars that um are drive well self-driving or driverless cars? Autonomous uh, autonomous vehicles are calling them, and they become increasingly popular in San Francisco. The headline here is: San Franciscans are having sex in robo taxis, and nobody's talking about it. <laughs> so I this, read this uh, article too. This is good. Yeah, they thought if you ever thought about getting down and dirty in a robo-taxi, that uh, you're not alone. Apparently, it's a popular thing. And um, so these are the driverless cars. And what's happened is people are now having the thrill of getting in a car and uh, having sex, all kinds of sex. Um, you can imagine from, you know, very simple, you know, kissing or making out all the way to doing the, uh, doing the deed. There's one woman they highlight in here called Megan. I don't know whether that's her real name or not. She says she's in her 20s. She took her first ride. Uh, it was a late-night excursion, and uh, she and the boyfriend, her friend, did it just for the purpose of having sex. She said, we got in, and we got straight to it. And uh, this was a particular, this uh, was, car was a cruise. She said one thing led to another, and um, she just had a robe on. She had no underwear, nothing else on, and her slippers. And they got in there with their accomplished, a 30-something guy named Alex. And uh, they've performed at least six separate sex acts, they've said, in these taxis. They have a thrill for it. She said there's uh, no boundaries. And uh, obviously, it's exciting because you're in public. Sometimes people see them and look in and laugh. Other times, people <laughs> um, just, she said, they steam up depending upon the, the weather. It could steam up the windows, and then you won't see. And uh, they love the thrill of it and kind of the public, I guess, exhibition of it. And uh, toward the end of the article, they asked if they were going to keep doing it or not. And she said, sure, why not? She said, we're just going along for the ride. There's, um, there's really no rules about this. So, of course, if you were in a taxi cab or an Uber driver, of course, you're not going to behave this way. But apparently what they found, and you know, talk about Elon Musk again, um, people have found all these creative uses for self-driving cars. It initially came up after Tesla released its first autopilot feature nearly a decade ago. And CEO Elon Musk went viral for reacting to a Pornhub video of a couple having sex while it was on driver, uh, driverless autopilot. 
So, of course, I went to Pornhub to look. There are hundreds of videos of people having sex in cars that are driverless around San Francisco or whatever. So this is the thing. Started back in 2018. Someone actually did a study about it, John. And uh, they said that this behavior, um, they knew that this behavior would happen. They don't know how to control it. These companies, Waymo and uh, other robo-taxi companies, uh, crews, don't know how to surveil this. Now, they say they have cameras in all the cars. Mm-hmm. But they only use them to look at um, if there was an emergency or the car was damaged or there was trash left in the car and somebody complains, they'd go back and look to find out who was in the car. But other than that, um, these cameras do run all the time, but some of these people that are having relations in the car don't seem to care. Um, and some are saying or challenging it now as, a, as an issue of privacy. You're also not allowed to smoke or vape in the cars. I don't know how you would know. How would you even police that? Tim, at the beginning, you said something about this. She gets in with her robe yeah. and her slippers. Clearly, she knew. No, it. nothing it, else on. This was planned. Yeah. When you said they were taking a cruise, is it possible that you just simply order up the the cab to just drive you around for a specified oh, amount yeah. of time? Is yeah. It? So they've got so there's two companies. One's Waymo, and one I think is called Cruise. There's these robo taxis, but there's a number number of companies that uh, that are putting these on the road. And uh, yeah, so they said it's better than a hotel room because what's happening is if you wanted to get down and dirty with somebody and you got a roommate or you don't or you want to do it. You know, you're cheating on somebody, I guess. You could just order up a car and say you want to go. One particular trip they took was through the Golden Gate Park, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. But they said that there were so many spotlights that um, there were a number of times where people could really see inside the, uh, the cabin of the car. Because the way a lot of the seating is, they kind of the seats and some of them face each other. They were showing pictures. So basically, it was up to the passenger to choose a route they knew was going to be a 50 minute drive or like yeah. i want to go out to the airport or like because you couldn't just say to the you like maybe you could cheaper like, than I, renting a room maybe you say i want a scenic drive around san francisco and there's a there's a, a route that's already been programmed into the car or something i mean it it's it's just for i i when i read this that's where my mind went i was like don't you have to have a specific def- destination in mind and <laughs> well you could say if you knew it was going to take you 20 minutes or a half hour right true you said, true so true. you knew you jump in boom 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 then maybe it lets you out and you just get another car home i don't know but um it, it seems to be the it seems to be the new thing and now they're concerned because as these cars are making their way across the country they're trying to figure out how they can stop this and they also want to stop drinking and smoking of marijuana in the cars, which they can't seem to figure out either, although you're not allowed to do it. But how would you know? Um, they said open container laws in California particularly are difficult because passengers, there's a loophole. If you had a bus or taxi cab, limousine for hire, you can drink. But drivers certainly aren't allowed to. No. But these, so Cruz and Waymo said that, that you're not allowed to drink in the car, drink or eat. Um, you can drink or eat in the cars, but you can't consume alcoholic beverages. But I don't know how you could tell. You could just have something in a bag. They're not going to know. Yeah, and you're not the one driving the car. So <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how dangerous it is to have like champagne in a car that's not even, you're not even driving. But Yeah, th- this came from a, a, a publication called The Standard. They said the, the kind of the takeaway is this is another one of these technology things that's kind of got ahead of itself. Mm-hmm. And these companies don't know quite how to deal with it. And as they're now going to uh, be headed to other cities, they're wondering if this is going to take on. But I'll tell you what, when I went and checked it out, it, apparently it's a thing. 
they're um they're concerned about Amsterdam, which is supposed to get them next. And uh, they said Amsterdam is going to prove to be another <laughs> challenge for people. So. You, go, you go to the weed store, you get your, because in Amsterdam, it's always been kind of like, you can do that, drive around the city. But let's go to the red, hey, uh, Waymo, let's go to the red light district. I mean. And get weed in a whore and off you go. There you go. Yeah. Doing around down to the, down to the windmill. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I, so I, I'm, I've not yet been in one of these driverless cars. Our friend Tim has been in one. He says it's unnerving that because you're really trusting and there's, you know, you have to trust the cars going to where it's supposed to go. I had a question as I was reading this, though, because they talked about the police getting involved. People have reported people seeing people. Having how sex. do the police stop the car? Is well, how would thinking? you yeah, how would you pull over a car that's driverless? <laughs> they, OK, there must be something. That right. There's got to be. But yeah. they said that this was that um, the California Highway Patrol is still trying to regulate how. Um, you know how to deal with all of these uh you know my initial thought cars. would be that the 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 police call in the plate number to whoever waymo or or I guess uh, so, cruise, and say pull over i don't know and then they send a command to the car to safely pull over at the next possible opportunity and it pulls over and then boom, there you go down. mr software developer see now, now if that hasn't happened john now this is an app we can sell for the california you know, highway feature. patrol right it's a feature, feature right? Not a whole app pull it's over feature, yeah <laughs> Oh, we finally invented something. Maybe call the giddy up. <laughs> a pot on demand. All the way from Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what uh that's what it caught my eye this week. It's uh I don't know, an odd thing, I think. But uh I don't know. Will you get will you get in a driverless car when the time comes? I'm gonna I'm gonna be really hesitant. I'm like Tim. I'm like big big Tim. I'm like, you know what? Eh, I like someone behind the wheel. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Well, they said there was a hor- another horrible accident. As part of this story, somebody talked about how um, the car didn't detect a dog, ran over mm-hmm. and killed somebody's dog. So, but no, these it driverless happens, cars, yeah. I don't know. I know they're, they're talking about it here in Delaware, which is why they're putting a lot of these poles in, because a lot of the cars will be, you know, these, um, not telephone poles, but, you know, for, for, uh, for your cell phones or whatever. Yeah, for signal. For signal, and that's going to help with these autonomous cars. But I think that's the last thing we need. So uh, our business birthday this week. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. I'm sure we must have mentioned her before along the way in the last 15 years on our business birthdays. I don't know if we've ever highlighted her for a birthday. Mm. But uh, Madonna Louise Chicone. Born August 16th, 1958. Happy 65th birthday to Madonna. Can you imagine 65, Madonna? She's a music producer, actress, business, uh, business person, and known as the Queen of Pop. She's, um, you know, was born in Michigan. I had to laugh because there was a, we had the funny story. So, you know, Madonna, uh, Chicone. But uh, I was at an event with Derek Hartley. Oh, I'm so glad you're telling this. I was going to ask you to tell this. This is the Derek story. With, yeah. Right. And we, were, we had got, this was our Sirius XM days. And because this event was in Philadelphia, Derek had come down from New York and there was a bunch of X-level celebrities or XYZ level celebrities, if you could call a celebrity. And poor Derek and I were subject to this event. And um, the headliner was christopher who was madonna's brother who just wrote this horrible scathing tell all about madonna so he was the big headliner and then we were supposed to be on some panel to uh to do some sort of event 
And you were judges too. You judges, were judges, that's what you yeah. judges. And and so this drag queen was having none of it. And you know, because she was the star of the of the show. And so the they, the big windup is to introduce Christopher to the stage. And uh, Derek and I are staying there back off into the, you know, behind the curtain. And she says, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Christopher Sikacone. <laughs> we were laughing so hard. You know, and Derek just very dryly, you, you can't raise, you know, you can't write the script. I mean, it was so people were laughing and he was mortified, pissed off, you know, that he got the name wrong. But so yeah, it's Madonna Ciccone. But she never, she doesn't have to go by by last name. It's like Cher. What's Cher's last name? I have no idea. Isn't that funny? I have no idea. Yeah. So, so she's 65. Um, if you're watching the video, we have a, have a couple of pictures of her. You know, she's been criticized lately because she's had um, lots of, and she's talked about it, she's had lots of plastic surgery done, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And some people were very critical of her. And I did see somebody um, write something that I thought was very, very smart. And they said, you know, you could pick on Madonna for her trying to stay relevant. Women have a tough time as, as, you know, as they age, different than men particularly in, in the celebrity-filled world we live in. But they, they reminded everyone, they said for everybody who's, who's um, being critical of Madonna, she was one of the first people that was out there and an ally, particularly to the LGBT community. And, um, and she should be respected for that. And, and I, I just thought that was a good, a good perspective to put on it, that she really did push the envelope. She was known for pushing the envelope. And her influence, um, I certainly think, did help. Uh, particularly with Truth or Dare, she, she was very open about um, the LGBTQ uh, members of her of her the dance troupe. Dance yeah. troupe, and so it, it really was back in the '90s, early '90s and uh, '80s. I thought she um, she really did did do a do lot. Do you remember when you saw Truth or Dare? Yes, I do. I saw it in Portland, Oregon. It was 1990, mm-hmm. and I just remember black. And white. I thought it was great. I still, if if I've stumbled on it, I you know it's a Watch great it documentary. Through. Yeah, same here. We saw it. We were uh, coming back from a weekend in the Pines, and it had just premiered. And we all got off the train and went right down to the Chelsea Cinemas. And you know, you you were correct in what you were saying earlier. Madonna gets a lot of flack for a lot of things these days. I think people just forget how huge she was and how she utterly transformed pop and dance music. You know, and she lived. She created this whole mystique, and her whole career was all done. Before MP3s, right? Before the single track download, it was the album experience, and she nailed it. Every album came out oh, as it a was, hit after hit. Yeah, they said so. I'll, I'll just because there's a lot we all certainly all know about Madonna, but I'll just read a couple of the of the accolades. So she got to Manhattan in 1978. She left New York. She went. She came to be a. She wanted a career in modern dance. Ended up playing in a band, and then signed on with Sire Records in 1982. She um, had many successful uh, global best-selling albums, like A Virgin, True Blue, uh, Ray of Light, Confessions on the Dance Floor. She, um, her popularity was further enhanced by her roles in movies such as Desperately Seeking Susan, Dick Tracy, A League of Their Own, and Evita. She, uh, as a businesswoman, founded the entertainment company called Maverick, or Maverick Records, in 1992. She also had... Um, Interests in fashion design, children's books, and health clubs, and filmmaking. I had no idea she had a, str- a string of health clubs called Hard Candy Fitness. <laughs> they were um, they were they started in 2010. They were mostly European and Asian based, and uh, they went defunct in 20 in 2019. 
given to various charities. She sold more than 300 million records worldwide. She's noted as the best-selling female recording artist of all time. Uh, she's also listed as one of the third highest certified female artists with 64.5 million album units. According to Billboard, she was the most successful solo artist in chart history. She's also the highest grossing solo touring artist of all time with 1.4 billion in concert ticket sales. And uh, the Rolling Stone listed her as among the top 100 artists of all time for singers and songwriters. So Maverick, you know, she started Maverick, which was her own record company with two other guys. And uh, she started that in 1992. That also went, uh, she sold out her interest in 08 and then it closed in, in 09. But, um, you know, she was, she signed on that. They did the book Sex for her. Remember the I remember Sex that. Veronica. I remember that book. Yeah. And then put out a couple of her greatest hits albums. But one of the groups that she, um, you know, one of the biggest successes they had was uh, Alanis Morissette with their jagged little pill that was under the Maverick. Uh, under that label. Yeah. yeah. And there were a number of other acts uh, along the way, but very smart business person. They said she was one of the few people that actually led a um, led an entertainment um, entity, uh, similar to Lucille Ball. Remember when yeah. she, she led Desilu, Desilu Productions at Madonna was one of a, just a handful of women that actually was able to, uh, to successfully run a big studio. So... Happy birthday, Madonna. 65, John. Yeah, I know. It's And look, she's still putting out music. She's still with us. I think the only other act or, or performer who may be up in her stratosphere would be Kylie Minogue. And certainly these days, Taylor Swift. But I mean, this is why you have to love her, right? Yeah, <laughs> she, I was going to say Taylor Swift, maybe Lady Gaga. But, but you know, you're right. about The thing about Madonna was exactly what you said, that it was it was before MP3. It, you know, it, you had to go buy. You bought an album. You bought a CD. You bought the tape. Right. You went to I the mean, concert. You yeah. went to the concert and uh, and did it all through through hard work. Um, nobody could say she was lazy, and nobody could say she wasn't. You, know, no, you watch I, any of her concerts, even now, they are down to the step. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, you don't miss a step. And uh, to get it right, she's a perfectionist. So, and I've also, never been boy, to a Madonna concert. Have you? No, no, and and uh, did she ever leverage the power of MTV? I think oh she was one gosh. of those artists who clearly understood what <laughs> knew was what going she was doing. Right? I mean, yeah. some of those. What was the one she express yourself? Was I think yeah. the first one that? I mean, it was like a movie. She and Michael Jackson. Well, well like King, Papa, King don't, Queen Papa don't preach, right? Yeah, Danny Aiello, preach. who was you know like a he he was a, an actor, played her father in that, and it was all the, she was like a mini movie. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, no, so. So happy birthday, Madonna! And uh, good birthday. Yeah. So our uh, our shop talk this week, Mister Nash, you had found this one, and um, I I shook my head over it. But the headline is Stephen Miller's legal group sues Target over LGBTQ Pride collection backlash. So everybody knows that um, during this past Pride season, that uh, there was backlash of Bud Light uh, for using Dylan, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. And Target uh, saw a lot of backlash based upon their Pride merchandise that they were selling, particularly some uh, items uh, directed specifically to the trans community. And uh, so Stephen Miller, who was part of the uh, former guy's administration, is in charge of something or is, heads up something called America First Legal, mm -hmm. which um, I guess they, I don't know what they're doing. I guess it's, an, it's a, is it an anti-LGBTQ? Or a conservative a think tank. 
Is well, American First Legal is basically they they are using the power of the lawsuit to bring companies in line who have diversity and equity and inclusion policies they don't like, et cetera. This was threatened against Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light because right. they were like, well, you know, you wiped out all this investor um, value because of this thing you did. I, you know, one, two, three, four paragraphs down, I just stared at this and I thought to myself, are we living on the same planet? So you have to have standing to take someone to court. We, we've been hearing this over and over again. So what Miller has done in America First Legal, they've identified a shareholder. <laughs> this is my favorite part. The investor leading the suit, Brian Craig, owns about 28,000 worth of company stock, which he purchased in April 2022. He claims to have lost close to half of his total investment. I just stared at this for a second, and I thought to myself, <laughs> anybody who has a 401k or a portfolio... <laughs> lost that yesterday. Way more than that on some given times, and they made it back, et cetera. But you're telling me that you're going to go to court over this guy's $28,000 investment. You, you know there are institutions and banks that own way more target stock that are worth oh, yeah. millions of dollars, right? And they're not rattling the cage about this, but... No, this would be essentially because he says he lost close to half, so fourteen thousand. So you're you're suing over a fourteen thousand dollar loss over a, a very finite. Boo hoo! You knew you were buying a stock, you know, and stocks aren't exactly savings bonds, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I thought the same thing. I read that again. I thought, wait a minute, is this all that they're they're talking about? Mm -hmm. But this this you know when I when you had sent this over and I read it and it, I I just did a big sigh. Um, I thought, you know, part of this, you know, so much of this anti-LGBTQ uh, legislation or targeting, I think some of it is is these groups are taking advantage of some of the disarray within the LGBTQ community. And because I, I think because we've become so fractured in many ways that they are totally relying on kind of the confusion and the fracture. We used to always say, or I always said, when you measure everything, you get nothing. We used to be very focused on HIV AIDS and it was marriage. And rather than now focusing on something like the Equality Act, um, we seem to have been veered off to, well, you're groomers, you're drag queens, you don't know about gender, you don't, you know, we've gotten on all of these sidebar issues that have really just thrown gas on the fire for these right wing groups. And I don't know how, I don't know how you pull it back in. You know why it's so hard to pull back in? Because a lot of it's theatrics. I mean, yeah. like, for example, at the very bottom of this article, here's what the lawsuit their Stephen Miller's group is filing. They actually, here's what they want to do. They want to request that the court overthrow the company's board of directors <laughs> and compensate Greg for his lost investment. So here's you're going to get your rid 13,000. Yeah. And, and by <laughs> the way, Tim, what is the average salary a board member makes on a corporation in America these days? I mean, you could even take a guess. You're going to be close. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. 200 some thousand yeah. maybe so you're going to you're going to tell me you're going to get rid of seven or eight directors making 2 or 3 million collectively you're going to get rid of them all you're going to give this guy a check for 14,000 out of his piddly little 28 I don't mean to insult anybody but let's be real yeah you know you bought an equity it is not a guaranteed investment and you know this could have been anything could have happened right yeah. you know um <laughs> It could have been tuna fish. Someone could have said, you know, how dare you sell canned tuna? Tuna are smart and we don't, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't know. I, well, they're oh, going actually, after, we, and then they're going after diversity policies because yeah, at the yes. end, they also say that they've got their eyes on Kellogg, alleging its workplace diversity policies are unlawful. 
I don't know. I, I don't know where it stops or where it it doesn't. Um, I, I clipped an article for this week. Uh, I'll I'll just mention it. Um, Skittles. Right. So, Tim, you and I were working with a client, and back in the early part of the uh, year, you actually found images of Skittles Pride Packs. Right. They they change their wrapper to black and white, and they usually feature on one side work by an LGBTQ artist that's in color. So for the month of June, Skittles usually gives back the rainbow, and they give it to artists. Someone just now clicked on the Skittles page to find out what the special wrappers were, which you can't even find in a lot of stores anyway. And now they're thinking of going after we should boy we should do a Bud Light on Skittles because how dare they change their packaging to black and white for thirty days and focus on some LGBTQ artists because one of the illustrations had this little thing drawn in on a skateboard ramp that said Black Trans Lives Matter and now everybody's up in arms. I don't know who everybody is by the way who's up in arms. I think it might be five people at a linoleum table in Florida called what was that at the uh, the women that do the. Uh, Oh, the, the million, million mom march, million mom march, which is about <laughs> three ladies moms at a is like five at a, mil- a cracked linoleum table. table. They, no, but they, they've they've done a good job of mm, you know whipping it up, whipping it up, and making this about you know the groomer thing, grooming the you know the drag queen story hours. So it's 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 the kids, the kids, the kids, the poor kids. They made it a race issue. They're they're all spun up on Black Lives Matter. They made it a gender issue. And uh, I think part of it is, you and I have talked on a sidebar once, the human rights campaign used to be on top of a lot of this stuff, I uh, think. Front and center, yeah. And uh, there's really no, I don't want to say a national clearinghouse, but I was trying to figure, is, is there a, the ACLU maybe? I, I don't know. I don't know who who is supposed to be um, helping well, or in the corner of, in our corner well you know glad well glad will issue a statement a lot of organizations will issue a statement i can issue a statement yeah yeah but it doesn't have the same impact as these blowhards doing these theatrics that we're going to sue target because this guy here invested twenty eight thousand. he lost 14 because of that pride merchandise you know there's certain people that take the bait and we know who they are and there's others who are like oh my god here we go again we got all these problems in the world and we're worried about Yeah. About a bathing suit. yeah yeah so. anyway folks we want to thank you for uh, joining us here on the focus group um please check out focusgroupradio.com that's our website you can learn about us there also our tuesday podcast tfg unbuttoned and if you are already following us on an audio stream you probably already get that um but if you want to check out the video for the focus group if uh, you just go to youtube or focusgroupradio.com and you'll find it all there we want to remind everybody uh, to please don't text and drive, especially in the summer. We see a lot of mm, questionable driving on the road is the way I would put it. I was, I, I'm a trained Tim Bennett driver personally, and distraction was never allowed in that, behind that front wheel <laughs> when Bennett was sitting next to me in the passenger seat. Keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> so, Are you still looking anyway, at your everybody... phone? Do you still look at your, use your phone for guidance, or do you have it clicked into the car now? Clicked into the car. Now that it's part of the CarPlay yeah, and it's part yeah. of the nav system, what a, yeah, you and Brian loved that when I kept looking down at the cup. I don't know what you were like, looking you know, at. We're going to get going straight. Now that I relive that road trip in my head, I'm, I'm remembering why Brian would look at me funny sometimes because he, remember he had his laptop out and, yeah. and I keep looking down and he'd kind of make a face like, yeah, it's what 50 miles. At? We're not going anywhere. Just keep driving. <laughs> That was so hot. 
101. Horribly hot it was. Yeah. You, every, anytime you and I have done a road trip, it seems to be hot. We, we picked the hottest week. Anyway, folks, please stay safe, and we'll see you in the new one. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.